Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our Old Testament lesson recorded for us in the book of Genesis, the 32nd chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse. He got up that night and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he also sent his possessions across. Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled with a man there until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated as he wrestled. The man said, Let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have fought with God and with men, and you have won. Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. He said, Why do you ask what my name is? Then he blessed him there. Jacob named the place Peniel because he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life has been spared. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, I know many dads who like to wrestle with their children. Maybe roughhouse with them, maybe they'll lift them up in the air, throw them over their shoulder. It seems like a lot of dads like to be physical with their kids, and maybe not just when they're young, but even as they grow older, too. I know many dads who even have wrestled with their teenage sons in those older years. And I think that dads, when they do that, especially when the kids are older, they're doing so even not just in play, but maybe even also to teach and to train, especially their boys, their sons, to toughen them up, to get ready to be able to fight if need be, to wrestle if ever found in such a situation where they are attacked. I think about that wrestling between a father and his son or a father and his children. Well, today in God's Word, we hear a a very strange story, don't we? We hear of this story of how, how God appeared in physical form in the Old Testament, and he wrestles, he physically wrestles with Jacob. And as we consider this story today, I encourage you as well to wrestle with God and win. To wrestle with God and win, ultimately to overcome our self-reliance, to wrestle in God and win, to also know God's blessings are ours. Now Jacob seemed to be a self-made man even from from birth. He knew what he wanted and he uh, didn't have any problem going after it. As you maybe know the story, Jacob was a twin, and he was the second to be born. His brother Esau came out of the womb first, and yet we hear in God's word this very strange detail that Jacob came out of the womb clinging to his brother's heel, his brother Esau, seemingly wanting what Esau would get, the birthright and the blessing as the firstborn son. And so he receives that name Jacob, which means heel grabber. We think about Jacob knowing what he wants and and trying to get it with his his own cunningness as well throughout his life. Maybe even as we hear of this this peculiar incident between him and his brother Esau. Well, Esau was out in the field one day and he comes in and he's famished and Jacob normally was in the tent and he'd be cooking things with his mother and he's cooking up some soup and, and his brother Esau asked for the soup and Jacob says, well, I'll give it to you if you give me your birthright. 
And so he takes his older brother's birthright from him for a bowl of soup. Or we think about later on in that incident when Isaac is growing older and his sight is dim and he wants to give his blessing to his firstborn son Esau, the blessing that rightfully belonged to him, and how Rebekah hears of it. And she quickly gets her favorite son Jacob to work with her to deceive Isaac. And you know the story. Ultimately, he put those skins upon his arms to pretend he was his brother Esau. So when his father touched him, he was convinced he was touching Esau. And therefore, also, he would be blessing Esau as well. But Jacob received the blessing. It's how cunning he must have felt that he was. How he was fully in control to get exactly what he wanted. But then there was his brother's reaction, wasn't there? When Esau found out about this deception, he was furious and he wanted to kill Jacob. At this point in the story, we hear how Jacob has to flee from his parents' household and he's running away to the household of his uncle Laban. But even as he's on the run, as he has nothing with him, we hear also this story about how God gives him this vision and reassures him that God is with him and that God is going to safely bring him back to this place And that God is also going to prosper his people, that God is also going to give them the land and to ultimately bless Jacob. As you know, there's so much more of the story as we could certainly go on to everything that happened as he went to Laban's household and eventually gained not one wife, but even two of Laban's daughters as wives. And God multiplied his sons and his flocks and herds. And eventually, after 20-some years, Jacob decides he's going to return back home. He's going to return back home to the land that was promised to him. Now we find him today as he's along that way, as he's ready to head back, he gets word about his brother, that brother that hates him because of what he did, how he used deception to steal that blessing from his brother. Esau is coming out to meet Jacob now with 400 men. And Jacob is terrified. He's terrified concerning what's going to happen. Now, have you ever been there, maybe knowing for yourself some things that you have done wrong, maybe how you've hurt someone else, maybe how you know that that you deserve maybe punishment or chastisement for the things that you've done wrong, and maybe you've been hoping that those things won't come up again, they'll just blow over, give it enough time, then eventually you're confronted with it. You're going to have to deal with it. The person who's angry is right there in front of you and you have nowhere to turn. Or maybe you find yourself in a situation that seems so impossible in other ways. Maybe it's a financial hardship or or maybe it's a medical hardship that as hard as you tried to resolve the issue, it's coming to a head and there's something so difficult that you know that as much effort that you put into it that There's no way around it. You're going to have to face this terrible thing. It's interesting to note that that Jacob, in the the midst of everything that he was facing with his brother Esau and how he was so worried and concerned that it's in that moment that God comes to him. It's in that moment that God appears in physical form 
and he begins wrestling with Jacob that evening, throughout the evening. And we might say to ourselves, well, wasn't it enough, God? Wasn't it enough that he had to deal with the stress of the whole situation that now you're throwing this, this physical assailant, that wrestling with him in that moment? God, what were you thinking? What was God thinking? You know, we can think back to the, the father and the child. As he wants to en- engage his son, perhaps, his child, in a physical way. Why? Not to defeat the child, not to overcome the child, but to train the child and to strengthen the child. Doesn't it seem that that's the reason that God came to Jacob that evening, even in the midst of everything going on, no matter how bad it was, and he's placing this one additional thing on top of another because he wants to teach him. You know, we too are prone to self-reliance. We too oftentimes act as Jacob acted in his life and maybe think that Everything that we have and everything that we have accomplished is because of us and because of our own ingenuity, because of our own cleverness, and so forth. Could it be, though, that God at times allows difficulty? Could it be at times that God allows hardship? Maybe could it be that God allows us to deal with the consequences of things that we have done wrong? That he allows bad things to come into our lives? I know at, at times we, we don't want to go there. We don't want to think about that because we begin to think, well, if, if God can allow bad things to happen in my life, well, doesn't that mean that God is against me and that God is evil? By no means. As God at times can permit those things, he can cause us to have to struggle with them so that we can learn, so that we can be taught by him, especially so that we can learn not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him. We think of that night at the Jabbok as Jacob is is wrestling with God. Isn't he learning exactly that? As he begins to realize who it is that he's wrestling with that, that evening, that this is no mere man, that this is God himself, And he comes to realize that in his desperate situation, this is the only person who can help him. God is the only one who can aid because the situation is so impossible. And we think about what he does. In desperation, he just clings to God. Even when his hip's dislocated, he clings to God and he doesn't let go. He must have looked so pathetic in that moment. And yet that's exactly what God wanted. As God wanted to teach him not to rely on himself, but instead to rely on him. As God also wanted him to win. You know, I've I've heard it said that if you want real competition, don't play a game with your father, but play it with your mother. Because she won't let you win. I don't know if that's totally true or not. I'm sure there's plenty of moms that let their kids win at times, right? But... But how, how true it can be, especially with dads, especially with physical things, right? Uh, physical games and wrestling and so forth. That, that ga- dads, they, they know they're stronger than their children. And, and they're not going to use their full force against that child because they don't need to show that, that they can defeat the child, that they can win. But they at times might even let the child win, knowing what's best for that child and best for their development as well. 
So too, we think about God in our lesson for today. He lets Jacob win, doesn't he? He lets Jacob win. Even, even though God shows he's absolutely in control, right? He just has to touch Jacob's thigh and his hips put out of socket. We think of even Jacob himself confessing that he saw God face to face and God spared his life. God lets him win. And what does God want him to win? He wants him to win his blessings. We think of a number of those blessings that, that Jacob received through all of this. Now, first of all, he received that, that blessing of understanding ultimately who was in control. And it wasn't him. Maybe th- he thought that he had manipulated things in his life and was the self-made man, but God was showing him in all of this, you're not in control. There's things that are greater than you, things that you can't handle. And God was showing him and, and blessing him in this way, showing him that he desperately needed God and he desperately needed God's help. The second thing that God was showing to Jacob as he was wrestling with him is also that God is the one who certainly could bless him. You know, we, we might look at this as, as Jacob's pleading with God, bless me, I won't let you go until you bless me. And, and to understand really what he's doing with this, he's not laying out this huge wish list of things that, God, you better give me this, that, or the other thing exactly as I want. But instead, he's demanding that God bless him in the same way that God had already promised. You know, when Jacob was at that place of Bethel as he was running away from his brother Esau, heading to Laban's home, God had given him this vision, and in this vision, God had said this, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land in which you are lying I give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. In you and in your seed all families of the earth will be blessed. Now I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back again to this land. Indeed, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. You see, God wanted Jacob to cling to his promises and to demand that Jacob to demand that God bless him again in the same way that he had blessed him before it pleased God that that Jacob was holding God to those promises those promises to safely bring him back to the land to prosper his family and that through his descendant that singular descendant all nations of the world would be blessed it pleased God that that Jacob was holding God to those promises. And the final thing, final blessing we can bring up is especially that, that blessing of confidence too. That even though he was going to have to face his brother the next day, that he could face him in confidence, confident that God was on his side, confident that God was going to fill, fulfill those promises that he had made because God can't lie. It reminds me in some way of Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. You probably remember the story well of how God told Abraham that he was going to have to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And we wonder to ourselves, how could any parent do that? How could any parent kill their child, even if God asks? And we get some amazing insight in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, concerning Abraham, what was going through his mind. That we hear in the New Testament that as Abraham was about to plunge the knife into his son, as he was about to take his life, 
He did so trusting that God was still going to be faithful to his promises. He trusted that even if he would do that thing and kill his son, that God's promises would not fail and God would raise that son back to life from the dead so that his promises would be fulfilled. The promise of making him a great nation, the promise of bringing the Messiah, he knew those things had to be fulfilled. And so even as terrible as it seemed to him what he was going to have to do, he was confident of God's promises. We can think of the confidence that Jacob had as well now as he was facing his brother, as he knew that God was going to fulfill the promises that he has made, no matter how threatening that brother seemed. God desires that we also wrestle with him and win as well. Could it be that God permits those struggles, those trials and tribulations in our lives at many times so that we see our own helplessness and so we see where we need to turn? We need to turn to God, don't we? And we need to turn to God in prayer. To turn to the one who can help. The one who has invited us. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and it will be opened to you. To turn to the one who commands us, call on me in the day of distress. I will deliver you and you will honor me. You see, through those struggles, God is leading us to turn away from ourselves and to turn to him. To turn to him in prayer and to boldly ask so much of him. But as we pray, he also invites us to remind us of his own promises. And to hold him to those promises. As he invites us to to wrestle with him in prayer, to bring our prayers before him, to plead for his mercy, to plead for his blessing. But how can we be so sure that God actually wants to help? How can we be so sure that God will assist, that God will bless us? The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? He points us back to the cross. And he reminds us that if God gave us his greatest gift, if he gave us his son into death for us and for our sins, if God would do that for us, worthless sinners, us who didn't deserve it, that he gave his perfect and holy son to die for us, to forgive all of our sins, to forgive our sins of pride when we have relied on ourselves instead of God, to give our sins of deception, to forgive our sins of lying. If God would do that for us, don't you think that he also cares about us in the lesser things? That he also cares about us in our everyday conflicts and struggles and hardships that we endure. And so he invites us that in the midst of those struggles, pray. When we are facing hardships, pray. Even when we experience consequences for our own sins, pray and remind God of his promise. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Hold him to that promise and trust that he is going to resolve whatever it is that we face. And even if he doesn't resolve it in the timeline that we want it, we know that he will ultimately resolve it one day forever as he has planned to bring us to be with him forever in heaven. And that gives us confidence too. Confidence as well. As we have to struggle with many things in this life, confidence 
that God will not forsake us, confidence that God is going to be faithful to his promises. Finally, we are reminded of what God says through the Apostle Paul later on in Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the confidence that we have as we face those things in this life. Confidence that nothing can tear us from God, nothing can tear us from his love, nothing can tear us from that internal inheritance that is prepared for us forever in heaven. One final question for you today, and that's this. Who won? Who won as Jacob was wrestling with God that evening? Now, if we are to look at, at Jacob, it would certainly seem that God, Jacob didn't have the upper hand in wrestling, right? That God shows his power, he just touches his thigh, it's out of socket. Jacob himself says that he's going to call the place Peniel because he saw the face of God and yet his life was spared. And yet what does God say? From God's perspective, he says that Jacob won, that he struggled with man and God and won, didn't he? God wants us as well to wrestle with him, to wrestle with him and win, knowing that he ultimately lets us win. That he lets us win as we struggle with him in those different hardships and challenges that we face. As he invites us to come to him in prayer, leaning on him and trusting in him. As we remind him of his own promises and as we hold him to those promises. That ultimately we have confidence, no matter what we face, confidence that God is with us and will not forsake us. That God is our savior who has won for us eternal salvation through Christ. Who has forgiven all of our sins and guaranteed us an eternal inheritance for him, with him forever in heaven. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and forever shall be, forevermore. Amen.